Welcome to the Stories We Don't Tell, a podcast about storytelling. So my story begins with um, meeting Dan through my volunteer work with Victoria Aids Respite Care Society as a respite care provider for him over the last few months, which turned into a meaningful relationship or friendship for both of us. When the weather was a little brighter and at most times pleasant on the south coast of BC, Dan and I decided to get some spring bulbs to plant along with um, along the side boulevard from his house was the perfect spot. After purchasing the, at, at the nursery, we planted bulbs and tulips and daffodils in, uh, in the bulbs to uh, bloom in the spring. Dan loved the brightness and vibrations colors, so he decided to get the brightest, po brightest possible colors. So we brought them home and planted them in the yard with care, and he tended them to them if the rains didn't do their job for him first. On Christmas Day of the same year, 1994, Dan was feeling a little less than comfortable, and I had mentioned dropping off some, something for him later on Christmas Day. After dinner, I had made a dinner plate for him. Remember that it was raining and I needed a ride over to his apartment. So my mom and I got in the car and drove across the city to drop dinner off to him. I opened the door, he opened the door, met my mom and accepted the dinner with gratitude and grace. I told her that I'd stay with him for a while while he ate some dinner and I'd bus home uh, later that night. I ended up staying with Dan until we wa while we watched It's a Wonderful Life, and I swear that it's the longest movie ever made. <laughs> he ended up falling asleep, so I draped a blanket over him, turned off the TV, locked up, and left. It's still a Christmas I'll never forget. I provided respite for him for as long as I could. Malia was born on February 22, 1995. That was a story within itself. Labor stories are the longest ever. <laughs> I had called the office the day later to let, let them know that I had Malia and I wouldn't be back until later uh, that month. Or right away. Wouldn't be back right away. A week later, I um, got a call asking if Dad could see Malia at six weeks old. I took her to see him for the first time. The joy on his face when he was holding her was that of, of glee and excitement. I captured that moment on film and had it framed. Dan's dad decided to get a few copies made, for one for him and his wife, one for the PWA office, and one for me. He also gave me a large frame picture as well um, that sits in my bedroom and has gone with me over five different provinces. <laughs> and has survived seven years. So it's been with me on every move since. I went to his apartment one day to do the usual cleaning, clean up and laundry and found him sleeping on the couch in the living room. I called out to him to let him know I was there. I let myself in and the door was unlocked. So I walked in. He woke up half asleep and explained, exclaimed to me that he was tired of, having, of living the same way every day and not getting any relief. 
So he was quitting his med regime of 14 pills a day, cold turkey. I didn't sway him. I just let it be. He explained to me that he quit because he was ready. No more schedules, no more after, after effects of the meds. That was it. None of it. Um, he, he quickly changed the subject, though, and asked me if I would plan a party. It was, he would call it his living wake. He knew his time was close, and he wanted to go in style. So I accepted my mission, and soon after, we were planning everything from a guest list, food, music, and the whole shebang. The party was planned for a week that Saturday. So I was on the phone calling guests, inviting them to come. Right away, people said yes, knowing exactly what the party was for. I then hit up the dollar store with Dan to get party supplies and some snacks and drinks and everything from streamers, balloons, and party papers. I even made him cake. Saturday morning, I went over to decorate prayer. Pat also came over to give me a hand to get everything ready. The apartment was looking amazing. The music was playing. We were, we, we were streaming streamers, setting up food, making sure things were set for that night. By about six, everyone arrived. The music started playing. People were quick to join the party, socializing, dancing, talking to each other about days gone by, reminiscing about days where being gay and party central of the city was in the 80s with all the rage, especially in conversations of and conservative Victoria. The gay scene was underground and not widely accepted until much later, most likely the 90s. And the new generation of being out was cool because you were accepted by your peers. The shenanigans continued until midnight when the last of the buses were running. People were well on the way home. Guests filed out one by one, thanking us for the party and bidding adieu to Dan. This would be have been this would be his last time if anyone saw him as healthy and together as he was considering. I returned Sunday afternoon to clean up and let Dan sleep as comfortable as he, as he could and left him some leftovers to tie him over for the rest of the day. One afternoon in May of 1995, at around three, I got a call from Mary saying that Dan had got into hospice and that I, if I could go up to see him. I didn't have much, he didn't have much time left. I best Victoria hospice with, um, when Dan's, went into Dan's room where I saw a shrine of flowers, cards, and a smaller frame picture of him holding Leah. I saw him and Michael, I saw my boss Jim and his best friend Michael alongside his bed. I sat with him to softly cry and say my goodbyes. The moment was surreal. I couldn't believe he was gone. The room itself was full of the familiar things he treasured. Pictures of his cat, Mercury, named after Freddie Mercury Queen. I, sat, I stayed to sit with him a while to talk, to laugh quietly, and to cry. Mary called me a few days later. Dan had passed away in his sleep that morning. I was preparing for a funeral. The service was short, 
seeing friends from Victoria and relatives from Brandon, Manitoba. Later that day, Dan's ashes were scattered along Squimalt Lagoon. Dan's dad had a few prints of the picture made for both his family and myself, and a smaller treasure of individuals for the office, him and myself. In the corner of the smaller frame, it reads, A New Life, A Passing Life. Malia Joy, February 22, 1985. Daniel William Likens III, October 26, 1962 to May 12, 1985. Ironically, Dan would have been 56 yesterday. And this story was meant to be told. It started the quilt, the AIDS quilt. Pat decided to help me with it alongside with Lisa, Michael's sister. We worked on it for a few weeks. The quilt had Dan's picture with Malia, along with other photos, other aspects of his life, like music, his hobbies, his love for nature, things he treasured, his cat. The quilt hung in the PWA office for a while until Jim suggested it be taken down. We sent it to his family. A week later, his mom sent me a thank you card and a photo with the quilt hanging in the family living room. I was overwhelmed with a bucket of emotions, happiness that it arrived safely, sadness, loss, and hope that these types of losses become fewer every year with the discovery of new meds and hopefully a cure, if not sound management. I arrived to clean the apartment. I noticed some flowers blooming in the warm sunshine, blooms that I believe he saw from the heavens, where souls and spirits live free from pain, disease. Dan was finally at peace, somewhere up there, sitting at a bar, with a drink in hand, dancing to the walk of life by her dire straits, the same music that played at service. Dan died at a time when AZT was the only drug available for people living with AIDS. He was bold enough to disclose his, his AIDS diagnosis, but it was his because it was his truth and everyday reality. He was just starting the combination therapy, and back then there was a shopping list of combinations. Look how far we've come. The baby in the picture is Malia, and the picture beside it is her at 23. And here's the reason I still do what I do in Toronto today. Thanks. Don't sound super excited there, Paul. I guess we should introduce ourselves. My name is Stephen Hostetter, and welcome to the Stories We Don't Tell podcast. My name is Paul Dorr, and welcome to the Stories We Don't Tell podcast. That was equally uh, invigorating. Great. Uh, yeah. So we're, we're both on the same energy level then. That's, exactly. Right. I'm going <laughs> to... There was an episode, where I believe, where I spoke in a high-pitched voice the entire time. Yeah. Uh, I will not do that this time. Thank uh, you. But we are uh, talking about... You just heard a story uh, from Nicole uh, Borthwick, and uh, and what's and she is writing a novel, uh, which uh, is is in progress. 
Mm-hmm. And and what is we're talking about sort of is that she came to us with a bit of her novel and then had to find a way to craft it into uh, into a seven to ten minute story, mm-hmm. uh, which has happened a couple times before. Mm-hmm. I think we've had bits and pieces. And honestly, I remember uh, like um, early on um, with some of the stories that that you were telling. Uh, and then I then then you published your book, and I was like, oh, I remember these stories. <laughs> and so you've sort of had first hand experience of this process. Yeah. Uh, so so what's it like? <laughs> well, uh-huh. uh, yeah. didn't well. see that coming. I just threw. I just interviewed you. You didn't expect an interview. Um, it, well, I mean, it's kind of. I don't know. It's a, it's an easy. It's it, it's sort of an, uh, maybe a little obvious, but you're obviously we're dealing in seven to ten minute uh, stories, the increments. Uh, you usually do like those stories that have a beginning, a middle, and an end. That's always a good idea. Yeah, the solid addition yeah. to any story is yeah. a beginning, middle, and end. Yeah, like the open ending. The open ending on this kind of, uh, you know. Yeah, if you're gonna get rid of one genre. of those three, you do beginning and end, and yeah. just have no middle. Yeah, uh, that's the only. And, and no beginning can sort of work, but definitely yeah. have an end. I feel like an end is the most important. Yeah, I I think it's the the thing. I mean, the first thing is what's great about uh, writing a longer piece is that you can just write, like, you can include everything. Right. And um, when you're dealing in these kind of, when you're dealing with a shorter story, there's a number of things you need to take into consideration. And and I think Nicole did this uh, in, a, in a very g- great way, is that uh, uh, you have to, you have to kind of not just distill it down and not just say take a chunk out of something larger that you've written. You have to put it into some kind of context. We've talked about context before. It's one of my favorite subjects. Yeah. But it, it it's like what in in this piece that you're trying to tell that again is a is is a um, is a, a a bit of a larger piece. How much information does the audience need in order to understand this little bit? Yeah. And what information can you take out that still doesn't like you know take away from the effect of the shorter version of that story that you're telling yeah and and, and often those little pieces uh, that you they can take out are useful maybe for the longer piece because you're trying to get somewhere somewhere later um but in this particular piece are not you know or or are or, or, or not as don't actually lead to the ending that you currently have right and i think that's a big thing is is you have to you know, if you're uh, the ending is the hardest part in these pieces because you know a beginning is relatively easy, but like if you're if an ending to a to a part of a story that's part of a much larger piece has to keep moving, right? You can't you don't get to, you can't keep ending you know, a novel, so you do have to have some type of. I think the ending often has a has the most work. Yeah, and I I think just in in terms of my own experience, um, like uh, one of the stories I told that eventually ended up in my in my book was that. It might have been the the larger story might have been about a relationship, an entire relationship, and how it started and ended and and or it went through and then it ended. But I just was like, I'm gonna take this one piece of this that I think kind of represents the whole thing, like what I'm trying to say with the whole thing. Mm. But it's kind of like it, it, I can take this sort of one experience and and it can sort of stand in for the whole kind of story in a way. Yeah, totally. And um, I think the, 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 the difficult thing or the tricky thing that, that, that Nicole did in such a great way is, is it's difficult when you're, the story that she told, it's, it's, a, it, it's an incredible story. And, and it's about this whole friendship that yeah. she had with this person. And 
there was so many things in that story, but I think as she got closer, she had to make decisions just in terms of not what is more important or less important, but for what she wanted to communicate to that specific audience of ours, what information would she include? Yeah, yeah. You know, well, exactly. I think that's the maybe the harder part about about taking these pieces is that you're more often than not in, in lar- larger pieces working on three or four themes that are flowing through any piece. Um, whereas, whereas you seven ten minutes, you get one. You may get a sub theme if you're if you're real good. Mm. Uh, you know, three themes at that point, you're sort of telling just it's you're probably losing it. Yeah. Um, and so you do sort of have to figure out how, and it, and, and I think it, especially when you're telling personal life stories, and this is the same problem I think people have when they're telling sort of their first origin story kind of thing, um, is that it does feel like you're sort of not telling the right, you know, the, you're not, not, I'm not saying you're telling the truth, but, but the failure or the difficulty to include every aspect feels like you're, feels like you're not being as truthful as you could be, or you're not conveying everything. And you just have to remember that, that you're telling a true thing. It's just the part of it that you're telling right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and that you could tell, you know, again, you can, if you say, you can tell five stories with the same thing and have it five different ways. Um, but in all of them can still be true because our life are, you know, our kaleidoscopes of magic. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, and so trying to pull it all together is, is, is difficult. And so instead you just have to really describe the blue you saw that one day. Well, isn't it a shout out to, uh, Brianne, uh, didn't Brianne joke, wasn't she joking at the beginning that she was secretly writing, uh, like a memoir yes. or something like that because all of her stories were, they were not like necessarily linear, but they were like they joined and oh, like yeah. it was almost like the last the the story she'd be telling one month would be a continuation sort of more or less of like you know uh, what what she told the previous month yeah yeah exactly and that and as you know you see that often you know the throwback to the last episode about repeat oh, storytellers I think uh, that's gonna be the theme of these episodes yeah. is, is there's always got to be a, uh, a throwback a, to the a, last episode yeah a reference going on yeah but um, but yeah I think you're but exactly like that that sort of those pieces um, and and then would you get four of them you do get this sort of whole understanding of what's actually you know like you know someone's like oh dude, that's what's actually going on and they want to sort of tell you everything it's like but it's it works when you sort of you can give me a small piece and make me feel that small piece and then next small piece and be that small piece and i think that's the build up that you want and i i think that the 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 great thing about all of this is you know i told uh, and i still i'm not done with it um but i told a lot of stories around the time you know that my dad uh, had health problems and then up to when he passed away and then like still uh, when that happened then afterwards and it's almost like as time goes on you have you start to get a deeper understanding of the meaning of certain things or you see them differently or you just have a different perspective as you know you mature you 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 learn new things or you have different new experiences and it's not i don't know if you're if i feel like you're necessarily revisiting those things you're telling different stories but it's about the same thing like you said 
you're telling a diff, you know the uh, uh, a different story about the same thing. Yeah, it's the same same light shining into the kaleidoscope that yeah, or, or the that uh, or the crystal that's magic. Sort of, that's, yeah. that's that's then buzzing out. But you, you're sort of trying to describe you know a different color. You're doing this is how this is how the light refracted into red. This is how the light reflected into yellow. This is how the light reflected into green. And and each story may include part of the white light, the front part of it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but the whole thing is to tell the whole story. You do have to tell each individual story, and and you do have to make us feel each individual story. Because if mm-hmm. you try to tell us all of them at once, we we may be left with nothing. Yeah. Uh, and so that that balancing act is is so key when when trying to tell a, a, a smaller part of a, a large piece you're working on. And that and just a you know that's one thing that we one of the suggestions that we make when uh, p- people we're workshopping stories with people is is to just be careful that y- you know you want your story to be impactful and you don't want to almost it's almost like diluting the story in a way or, or something like you're just trying to pack it so full that you lose either the emotional co- you know context of it or 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 whatever but um I think that, you know, I thought that people were really kind of touched by and moved by Nicole's story. And I think it was, she did, she managed to pull it off. It's not, it's not, not easy. Yeah, and I look forward uh, to her upcoming novel. Subscribe to the Stories We Don't Tell podcast on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. If you like what you hear, leave us a review on iTunes. For more information about the podcast, blog, and live events, find us on Facebook or visit storieswedonttell.org. This episode of the Stories Don't Tell podcast is brought to you by Kaleidoscope of